In business, you rarely hear the expression for life. You make a purchase for a product, for a service, and, and there's, a, there's a time frame there. Well, that's not the case with Awaken 180 weight loss. Allow me to explain. You know, a year ago, I started with Awaken 180 weight loss and had incredible success losing weight. But you can lose all the weight in the world and not keep it off. And what good is it? That's why I have support for life from Awaken 180. Yeah. I mean, I go back for check-ins and make sure everything's going smoothly. But if I ever had a problem, the counselors are there to get me back on track. Why don't you do what I did and call for a consultation? 844-346-1800. 844-346-1800. Or go to Awaken180WeightLoss.com. Hello, and welcome to Between the Lines. On this show, you will hear about and from lesser-known Canadian authors and writers who, for whatever reason, have remained under the radar of traditional publishers and publishing houses. If it has something to do with writing or the writing process, you are going to hear a discussion about it here. I'm your host, Randy Lacey, and I encourage you to grab your bevy of choice, get comfy, and get ready to go between the lines. People come into writing in several different ways. For some, it was a teacher at school handing out a writing assignment. For others, it may have been by reading and wondering if they might be able to write. Every writer has started their writing journey on a different path. Each writer's journey will be different, yet similar. But one thing all writers have in common is a different destination. Welcome to another episode of Between the Lines. On this episode, I will be speaking with Karen Harmon, the author of Looking for Normal and Where is My Happy Ending? A Journey of No Regrets. Hello, Karen, and welcome to Between the Lines. Hi, Randy. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's my pleasure. So rather than me read your bio out loud for our listeners, why don't you go ahead and take a couple of minutes and give a, a brief biography of yourself for our listeners. I would love to do that. I am a three-time author. So today we're going to be talking about my recent book. But before that, I also work with special needs children, kindergarten to grade 12. And I teach fitness. I've been teaching fitness for 40 years, and I know that makes me sound old. However, fitness is what keeps me young. I teach spinning classes and stretch classes. I teach classes to special needs, and I also teach outdoor boot camp. I have three adult children, and we all live in the lower mainland of Vancouver, and that's about it. I'm ready to go. Boot camp. Interesting. What's that about? Oh, that is outdoor exercise classes based on interval training. So I teach classes where we do warm-up, cardio strength, cardio strength with a stretch at the end, and all fitness levels are welcome. I give lots of modifications and adaptions. I have some people that are fit, athletic jocks. And then I have other people that have arthritis, knee problems, neck problems, back problems, 
And basically that's it. We go 12 months of the year here in Vancouver and I do find shelter, but you know what our rain is like. So we are tough. We get out there and go throughout all the elements. Well, what's the old expression about Vancouver? If you don't tan your rust. Hey, I just wrote a blog and I use that exact same line. Oh, did you? <laughs> yes, I talk about the weather in my recent blog. Oh, I'm a blogger also. I forgot to say that. Well, that's okay. We'll find out a little bit how we can get to those a little bit later. We'll get right into to the question period here. Okay. So was there any one book, article, poem, or what have you, which inspired you to write? Well, I'll have to say that back in the 80s, I started to read a lot of Oprah Winfrey's book choices, and I kept going towards memoirs. I absolutely love memoirs and reading about how other people tick. But there's one book in particular called The Glass Castle by Jeanette Walls. I love this book. It's uh, so great. It's actually in a Netflix movie as well. But I would honestly say memoirs and that book, The Glass Castle, inspired me to tell my story to a degree. But I can get to the rest of that later if you want. <laughs> we'll probably have an opportunity. Yes. Wow, that's uh, that's quite interesting. So that was back in the 80s then? Yes. Nice. Yeah. Do you recall the first time you were inspired to write outside of uh, an educational setting? Yes, I do. So my probably about 15 years ago, my son, uh, maybe 10 years ago, sorry, he was a YouTuber and he was invited to travel to Belgium. And I am not a world traveler by any means. Mexico, Hawaii, that's that's where I've been. But uh, he was only 13 years old. So of course he needed a chaperone. And of course, being the mother, I went with him. Well, I was scared, nervous, not a world traveler. I had no idea what to expect. So during the course of our travels, I started to write emails home to my friends and my family. And it started to become really fun for me because I didn't just say, hey, how are you doing? This is what we're doing. I told stories about our travels and the different people we met. And the responses I got were really encouraging. A lot of people started to say, wow, I love your emails. Oh, I can visualize everything. You should do more writing. And I thought to myself, huh, really interesting. I'm getting all this amazing feedback. And that was the first time I felt inspired with being in a foreign country, scared out of my wits. So do you remember the first thing that you wrote then with regards to the story you just told? Do yes. you recall the story that you told that first started people going, hey? Well, in those emails, yes, because I was traveling with my son, of course, and his friends that he met online. Nobody was over the age of 16, and I was the only adult there, and we went to nine cities in Belgium, and it was these young people that were touring us around. So I wrote about that. I wrote about being the only adult. We missed, we missed trains. We had to run for trains. We met all sorts of people. Everybody spoke French and Dutch and English. And it was really, really fun. But those were, that was my first writing experience. 
That must have been so cool. Yeah, it was. Where do you find your inspiration to write? Well, my first inspiration came from my father. So even though I didn't have a lot of experience until, you know, 10 years ago, my father was a storyteller. And I used to go to work with my dad. He had a bulldozing company. And before I started school, he would take me to work with him. And I would sit up beside him on the bulldozer. Way before safety vests or safety ears or anything. And there I was. I would be sitting there with him. And he would tell me these huge stories, true stories. And they were very vivid. They were colorful. They were dramatic. And I just was a captive audience. I loved hearing his stories. And so I started to do the same thing with my son. Because my father ran away from home when he was 13. So when my son was 13, I started to tell, and even when he was younger, I started to tell him stories about his grandpa, the grandpa that he never knew. And it was during that time that my son said to me, Mom, you should write a book. And I said, okay, I will. Thanks, son. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was the best, best thing I could have ever been asked. Now, when I wrote the, when I wrote the first book, which came out in 2018, I did, I never professed to be a literary genius and I never thought I would make money from this. I really wrote it for my family as a historical memory of relatives they never knew, what the Depression era was like. It was about Alberta uh, and BC, well, Saskatchewan too, and just their roots, their heritage. And everyone was doing that genealogy at the time. And I thought this is a gift to my family that I could give back. And then what happened was people I knew, participants from fitness, friends on Facebook, they all started purchasing the book. And the feedback was just incredible because so many people like to walk down memory lane. Mm -hmm. So that was my experience with that first book, writing it. That's that's very interesting. Now, did you encounter after you, or maybe even while you were putting the book together, did you encounter any pushback from family who said that's not how that story goes? Or, you know, because everybody's got a different take on what happens in yeah. the family's history, right? That's so true. Well, fortunately and unfortunately, a lot of my relatives have died. <laughs> I know that sounds strange. I do have a sister, obviously, because I wrote my recent book about her. And I have two brothers. And you know, yes, some of them remember things differently. And some of them have memories that I don't have. But they were so kind and understanding and believe in me, so supportive that I never felt pushback. In fact, all I felt was that they're very proud of me. Okay. Aside from our differences and aside from our past memories. So, um, yeah, it was great. But I have heard stories of people that do have issues and struggles with family members. Well, it's exactly right. I mean, like three people could be at an, a scene of an accident and all be all asked to give their, you know, their witness testimony about what they saw. And they'll all be different. Yes, it's so true. And yeah. so, you know, we get a lot from family and stuff, uh, pushback yeah. or... Well, if I could just add this too, right in the books, I'm very careful to talk about my memories and how I thought. I talk very little about my siblings. If I did talk about my siblings, it was very uh, flattering and kind. 
except my sister's book. That's completely different because I was writing it for someone else. But particularly my first two books, people couldn't really find fault or argue with them because I say repeatedly, these are my memories. These are my thoughts. This is my healing process. And so I think I made that quite clear and everybody seems to have agreed with it, hopefully, fingers crossed. Well, you can't argue the fact that it's your memories. Yeah. If you're just putting things out there and, and, you know, whatever, it's a different story. I mean, like I know when my memoir finally gets out, it's going to, it's going to, a lot of people are going to like, what are you talking about? But I I say repeatedly, this is my understanding and my recollection. That's the best thing to do when writing a memoir for sure. Yeah. Or change the name so nobody can really know who you're talking about. <laughs> yes. Turn <laughs> it into a fiction. <laughs> well, you know, that's that's funny because I'm, I've actually written a novella on my life story, but it's kind of a fictional autobiography. Is that such a... Awesome. Model? No, I love it. All right. Well, we'll move on to the next question then. Do you have a secret writing place you like to write in or work out of or hide away in? I do. I call it my office, and my office just happens to be my bedroom. I love nestling into my bed with all my covers and pillows and a coffee, and sitting beside me, curled up in a little tiny ball, is my chihuahua, Stephen. And I love it there. My legs are elevated. I've got my laptop under pillows, so it's at a good level. Mm -hmm. And I can just close myself up in there. And I joke with my family, I'm going into my office, okay? And that's usually to write. And how long is a writing session? And that varies from, it depends. I have been known to stay in there for seven or eight hours because I'm on a roll, right? And you just want to keep going. And then maybe a couple of hours because I have to teach a fitness class or I have to make dinner or I've got to walk the dog. So it really, I I can't say. It's one to eight hours. That's basically my writing time. So when you do write, do you listen to music or do you listen to something or do you prefer silence? No, I have to have silence. I could listen to waves crashing on a beach or wind blowing in the palm trees, which I don't have, but I have written, uh, I did write for a two week period of time in Santa Monica, right on the beach. Okay. And that was wonderful. But normally, yeah, I wouldn't have in music or TV or anything on. You're the uh, second person in a row, actually, uh, that I've interviewed who uh, who had said they would listen to nature sounds if if they couldn't have silence. Really? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Huh. What is the hardest thing for you um, to write about? Well, that brings me to my recent book because I didn't have a lot of difficulty with my first two books. I did have uh, a few crying sessions when I wrote about my mother. Mm-hmm. Uh, then I felt incredible healing. So initially that was hard, but here's my new hard. My most difficult part to write in my recent book is about my sister's relationship with our mother mm-hmm. because it was very, very different from mine. And I have heard this from sisters and siblings before. In fact, it's caused 
separation in families because siblings will say, mom wasn't like that. No, she never did that. And so I had to come to grips with the fact that my sister did not have a very good relationship with our mother at different times. And my mother was bipolar and she was bipolar for me and she was bipolar for my sister. But I think what ended up happening, because I'm 13 years younger and I'm the youngest in the family, I experienced my mother and father into their retirement where my sister moved out of the house when she was 17. So she didn't get to see my mother kind of come out of the state she was in. I really don't know, honestly. But when my sister would tell me these horrendous things about our mom, I had to write them because it's my sister's story and I want it to be true. And I want it to inspire people who have also maybe had struggles with their mother. But I wanted to say, no, I don't want to write this about mom. But I did. Yeah. What is your writing goal? My writing goal, and it's always been this way since the beginning, is I want people that have had struggles, and we've all had struggles, some of us more than others, and some of us more willing to share those struggles. But I want people that have had struggles to not feel alone. I want people to know that we're all in the same boat. We have different depths to our struggles. We have different pain. I also want to stir up feelings. I want to stir up happy feelings, sad feelings, angry feelings. And I feel that I'm accomplishing that just from the reviews that I'm getting about my books. Because people will say, oh, I cried at this part. Oh, I laughed my head off and I read it to my husband at this part. Or I was so angry at this part. And I feel awesome when they tell me that because I truly believe the road to healing, the road to feeling good is through all those feelings. So it's important and imperative that through your writing, you stir others' emotions. Yes, you got it. (laughs) Hey, I I followed that logic pretty good. Yay! (laughs) That's my message. It's a good day. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. All right. So this is a, a multi-part question. So I'll, I'll read it off to you here. So what type of writer are you? Are you a, a, a plotter, which is someone who plans out every aspect of their book or what they're writing? Or yeah. are you a, a pantser, which is someone who just writes by the you know seat of their pants, just all out, no plotting, no nothing? Or are you a planter, which is someone who's a little bit of both? I can honestly say Don't I lie to am, me. Lie to me. No, I'm, I'm not lying. I'm telling the God's honest truth. <laughs> I am a little bit of both. I'm a planter because I write true stories and sometimes I fly by the seat of my pants and then other times I'll be out shopping. And I'll think to myself, oh, my gosh, I have to write this story. So I take out my little notepad on my iPhone and I do a talking message while I'm in the grocery store because I've had a thought. I'm planning. I'm deciding what I'm going to do. And I do the talking text into that little device, which mm-hmm. is like a miracle, those things. And uh, and then other times I fly by the seat of my pants. And, you know, I think that memory does that to us because 
what about when we're walking down the street that we grew up in and maybe we smell, I don't know, onion rings from Kentucky Fried Chicken or they don't make onion rings. I don't know. They we make have, onion nuggets. <laughs> they do. They, you have a flashback, right? And the memory is incredible. Now, if you just take that memory and you think about it briefly and then you move on and you go to the park, or you go do something else, fine. However, if you can stay with that memory and you can think about it and think about it, if you can write about it, it's incredible. And you know this too, how many more memories come with that Mm -hmm. if you allow yourself to dig deeper. So as a planster, Uh which do you prefer? Do you prefer the seat of the pants or do you prefer the plotting or it doesn't matter? I would say it doesn't matter. I just have to go with the flow. And that's when it brings me to the seven hours of writing. I didn't plan that. I did plan having a free day, but I didn't plan that I was going to be in there for seven hours. (laughs) And how do you feel when you come out of that seven hours? I feel like I've had the most amazing therapy session of my life. I feel like layers have come off. I feel healed and healthy and energized. And I just could shout it from the rooftops. That's how enthusiastic I am. So that's the that's the lighter side of it, though. But do you ever come <laughs> away feeling broken or more broken? Um, you know what? I I like to use the word melancholy. And the reason for that is... I am right now living five blocks from the house I grew up in. And when I walk around Grand Boulevard or different areas, I have heavy feelings of melancholy. I miss my dad. I miss the home I grew up in or the woulda, coulda, shoulda. I go through that in my head. Meanwhile, I'm walking my dog. He's a chihuahua. He's barking at everyone. And it's just an incredible time. And yes, I'm getting to your answer. I sometimes do feel a little bit more broken. Mm -hmm. I do feel a little sadder when I recall these memories. But a couple days later, I cannot believe how good I feel. It, It does get better. Oh, absolutely. It does. And so that's why those re- those sad, reflective moments are probably yeah. some of our better moments. Right. Even though at the time that we're experiencing, maybe not so. Yes. But if you could tell someone, if you could find a friend to talk to about it or write it down, it's so healing. It's so incredible. Well, absolutely. Writing, to me, it, when I'm listening to you, it sounds like for the most part, Anything you've written has been to, well, self-therapy, I guess, is the best way to put it, I guess. But I also make my own self laugh. (laughs) What I mean by that is (laughs) I'll be writing a memory about being in the discotheque or some of my sister's story, just different things that happened to her. And I get a vision in my head of a friend that I know would find what I'm writing funny Mm -hmm. and comical. And that brings me great joy. So aside from the healing, aside from the walking down memory lane and stirring up things, there's so many funny things. There's so much humor that we can find. And that's the same. If we can remember those times, then we can remember even more. It doesn't have to always be sad memories. 
In today's culture, though, the younger generation are looking for somebody to blame. I'll use myself as an example. Um, I could sit back here and go, yeah, you know what? My parents suck, blah, 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 blah. Or I can realize, hey, listen, you know what? They were only working with the tools that they were given. It's up to me to improve my situation. Yeah. But today's society is so hell-bent on blaming somebody and not accepting responsibility. Randy, can I interrupt that thought? Because I have to say something about what you're saying. And I, I, I'm sure you have a little bit more of it. I have a 22-year-old son. And so I'm in, wrapped right up in that younger generation. And yes, I totally agree. There is a lot of blame and there's and there's a lot of hurt and there's a lot of that. But my son and his friends all willingly go for counseling and they all are addressing their past hurts and they're teaching themselves and learning from a counselor that what you're saying, the toolbox, what you're saying is our parents only did. So what I want to say is I am so happy and thrilled that my son is able to say, huh, my mom did this, my mom did that, but she was going as a single mom, or she was learning it her way. And I, I feel the younger generation is smarter than us. There's the, the, the ones I know, and I can't stereotype and say all young people are this way or all young people are that way. No, but you're absolutely I'm right. Saying, I'm so excited about the younger generation. I really am. I'm, but let me tell you something quickly. I am annoyingly optimistic. I knew that would make you laugh. Well, I'm laughing because, well, I'll, I'll explain it. You finished t- telling me why you're annoyingly optimistic. Oh, right now? Yeah. I honestly don't know why. I just, I'm a, a person that believes the glass is half full and half empty. I've had a lot of struggles and a lot of pain. I've come out of it. I've made it out. And I'm still working on myself. And I still have plans and future goals that I'm trying to achieve. Here's something. Here is something. So my mother and father, when they married, they made a vow to one another. We will not argue in front of our children. We will not spank them. We will raise them to the best of our ability. Now, that wasn't always perfect either because they had a lot of struggles, depression, alcoholism, schizophrenia, bipolar, all this stuff. But they, I feel, I used to feel that my parents did a disservice to me because I swear to God, I never heard them argue in all their years being married and alive. And so what ended up happening to me was I was very soft and gentle and kind. And if I was in a confrontational situation, it was really hard for me because I didn't or hear how people could work through things because everything was nice, right? Yeah. Until my mother's mood swings took over and then that was hard. But anyways, I think that's what's created this optimism in me What were, is from my parents. So the reason why I was laughing was yes. because I have been accused, and I do mean the word accused, I have been accused of being the most positive, optimistic person 
that anybody's ever encountered and it drives them crazy. Really? Well, that's a compliment. I take it as a compliment, but they mean it in such a negative way. Usually stop being so positive, you know? Right. Yeah. Uh, I get that sometimes too. Because people just are not used to it or don't understand it or for whatever reason, I'm not going to, you know, answer it for other people, but uh, (laughs) (laughs) we're going to move on to part two here, which is, well, basically what I've called shake your money maker, because this is where you're going to start plugging your books and, and all that sort of stuff. So okay. as simple as that, we're going to go, can you let the listeners know about your published books? Yes. Well, all three of my books are available on almost every bookseller site from Amazon.com, Amazon.ca, Barnes & Noble, Indigo Chapters, in Kamloops because my sister lives in Kamloops, it's in Kamloops on the shelves in chapters. So it's they're all very, very accessible. Uh, my recent book uh, just came out September 15th, and it's doing really, really well. And what's exciting as a writer is that you do, and an author, is that you do get a bit of a following. And so I have about 8,000 followers on Instagram, and I like to post not just inspirational videos and not just fitness videos, but I post author tips and I talk about, I show photos and videos of book launches and I just, I just make it really user friendly and fun and I highly recommend if anybody wants to find out any information on me, they go to Instagram, Karen Harmon. It's Harmon with two N's at the end because regular Karen Harmon was used already. So I had to get fancy. So I have two N's at the end of my name. However, I'm also on Twitter and LinkedIn and I have an author Facebook page. If you pretty much Google my name, all my stuff comes up. I do have a website and I write blogs. My blogs, I call them walking down memory lane just because I just, I don't know. I see those Facebook pages. Remember the eighties or whatever happened to the seventies or I'd love to go back to the fifties. People love nostalgia and yeah, we have a lot of sad stuff in our lives, but we sure have a lot of fun, fun memories too. So I try to uh, blog. I, I, do blog, but I try to talk about uh, nostalgic things. And every once in a while, I do a blog that might be considered controversial, but um, you have to read them to find out what I'm talking about now. Well, we'll get we'll get to that in, in a little second. You jumped ahead. Huh. Oh, did I? Okay. What, back me up. Back me up. No, no, that's fine. We're we're good. We're good. So your books again? All three are called what? So my first book published in 2018 is called Looking for Normal. And that, I'll just be brief, takes place 1930 to 1978. A lot of older people love my book. It's very heartwarming. And even though it deals with a little bit of mental illness, it talks about mental illness when it was never talked about in those days. My second book uh, is actually based on the Me Too movement. That really inspired me. Because when that started up and we started to hear about Hollywood and everybody having problems or reliving problems that they had and struggles and things that happened, I started to think about all my friends. I started to think about myself. And I thought, you know, every woman I know has had something, whether it's a little pat on the bottom to something way, way worse. So then I thought, huh, I am going to incorporate some of that stuff in my next book, 
But it's also a fun read. It's called Where Is My Happy Ending? A Journey of No Regrets. And it takes place in the 70s in Vancouver during the disco era. So it has unsavory characters. It has dead-end jobs. It has so much fun and glitz on the de- on the disco floor. And, uh, yeah, and I think it's very inspirational because I, I did come out of quite a few struggles back in those days. And then my third book, which just came out, is called Fat and Beautiful, A Story of Love, Pain, and Courage. It's about my older sister who was obsessed and addicted to horses and the caribou. And unfortunately, she was terribly bullied as a child because of her weight. But through that... She developed coping skills, an incredible sense of humor. And so her story, too, is inspirational and heart-wrenching, all rolled into one, just like our our lives. Excellent. So uh, a little bit about that third book. Yes. Um, Why did your sister approach you to write it? Oh, that's a great question. I love it. Uh, after my first book, my sister said, I love your book. I wish you would have talked to me because I've got some great memories I could have added. Maybe you could write my story. And that was my first book. And I thought, oh my gosh, she has no idea how hard it is to write a book. And I, this is before I really got to know her. She's 13 years older than me. My second book came out. She read it. She loved it. And she said to me, Oh my goodness, I did not know you then. I did not know you. And then what happened after my second book came out, there's COVID, the terrible pandemic that everybody's dealing with right now. And it was during that time that I thought, because my sister lives in Kamloops, I thought I should start calling my sister more. Like we all reevaluated our lives when this is a worldwide pandemic. So I started to call her every Sunday. And like I said, I didn't really know her very well. She didn't know me very well. And again, she asked me if I would write her book, her story. And at the beginning of COVID, at the beginning of our phone conversation, still, I was reluctant. And I said, I don't know. You know, it's not that easy. However, during the course of our conversation, You share, you talk. She told me stories I had never heard about our parents. She told me happy stories, funny stories, terrible stories. And I started to think to myself, hey, I'm not working right now. I'm really enjoying my sister. I like her. I think I will say yes. So I called her one day and I said, you know what? I think I might like to write your story. So now, get this is a year ago. She has never been on a computer before. She may have been on one once or twice. She started to write me handwritten letters in the most beautiful handwriting you can ever see because she's older and you learned how to write better back in those days. And I would receive her letters once a week. And I created her book from those letters and our telephone conversations. Oh, I want to add one more thing quickly. No. <laughs> Go ahead. So one of the things that people say about my books is they say they're unique because they're memoirs that read like a novel. 
So when I read a book, I love the story to be painted so I can visualize it. I love knowing what the people were wearing, what the weather was like, what the era, what did the music, what was the music people listened to, what was happening in politics. So that's what I do in all three of my books. I talk about what was current during each era, and then I talk about the day. You know, it was a stormy day, and they were out riding the range, and I researched the type of flowers and the plants that were that are happening to those areas, that are in those areas. Right. Sorry, talking so fast. That's okay. Okay. It's all good. What um, now? <laughs> are you currently working on anything new or? Well, this book just came out and I honestly have two more books in my mind. I've got 30,000 words in one book, but I am going to take a little bit of a break. I do write blogs. Uh, I blog about every two or three months and those are found on my website, Karen Harmon author. And for now though, I'm just, I'm just taking a little break. I think three books is pretty good in three years. That's not too too, too bad. So the, the second part of that question you've already answered, it was going to be, and yeah. how close to being done are you? Uh, but you said you're about 30,000 words, and now you're going to take a break. Yes, I'm going to take a little break. And the 30,000 words were written at different times in my life, so it's a different type of book. Okay. But, um, but yeah. Is it another of, memoir? or? It, it, yes, I have uh, two memoirs, actually. I have one that I'm writing for a 91-year-old friend of mine. <laughs> That's not been completely set up yet. It's in the conversational works. And then I have another memoir, um, Trials and Tribulations of Being a Single Mother on Welfare. That would be a very relative book to a lot of people, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. and kind of how I made it out and stuff. And right now I'm going to apologize to you because I jumped to the second question before I had a chance to say this. That's all right. Talking about your sister. Do you want to have, you want to say hi to her right now? Yes. Hi, Linda. Look at my voice sounds like a little sister. The minute I start talking. (laughs) Um, Yeah. I just, we talk, we still talk every Sunday. And now our conversation is all about marketing ideas. She has got the most amazing idea. She lives in a senior's home and they were on lockdown for a long time. And so she does lots of planning and scheming and we're going to, I'm going to go up there in February. I'm going to be on a talk show and, uh, and yeah, she's got these great ideas and I'm open. I'm open to all of her ideas and we're going to, we're going to get this book out there to the masses. Wonderful. So one more time, a big hello to your sister. Hi, Linda. <laughs> now, it's your duty to make sure that she gets to hear this. Oh, it is. She was, wasn't was sure if this was going to be live. Um, she's already listened to your other podcasts. Oh, has she? Already, yeah, I've already sent her a link. So she's ready to go as soon as this is up. Oh, wonderful. Well, well, I'll talk to you about that afterwards. So basically, you've kind of touched on this in a lot of different ways at different times, but how and where can the listeners find you on the web? If they went to Google and typed in Karen Harmon author, then my my page would come up and they would see everything. Everything is on my website, all my books, my blogs. 
um, an introduction to who I am, where to find my books. Oh, and people can even message me. Hey, I want to add this, Randy. I love talking to other people that have hopes and dreams of becoming writers or authors. And so people, my, my email is on there. People can email me and just ask me questions or tell me what they're doing. I am a huge communicator and I love, I love helping people. Which is why you agreed to do this podcast. Yes, I know. Yes. Thank you very much. I really appreciate your questions, you interviewing me. I've had a great time. Well, we're not quite done yet. (laughs) One more thing for you. Yes. And this is unplanned. Okay. So, Karen, if you could offer any listener some advice about life, writing, or whatever, now is your chance to do it. Okay. I would say, because it's a very overwhelming thought, so many people have an idea of writing a book. So many people want to write a book, and then they get overwhelmed. So here's my best advice about that. Think of a story. Now, this might not even be your book, but this is going to get the wheels turning. This could be fiction, nonfiction. Think of a story and think of a memory and write three paragraphs. That's all you have to do. So here's an example. You remember going to get an ice cream cone with your grandfather in 1962, in 1985. You have a memory of this. Start writing about it, and you will be shocked at how many more memories follow behind that one tiny little memory. After you've written your three paragraphs, then what you do is you go in and you add to them, and you think, okay, it was summer. What type of weather was it? What was I wearing? You you might even have to make this up, but that will give your story something more interesting, and it'll paint a picture for your readers, and for yourself. What do you think of that? I think that's a pretty good start. (laughs) Yeah, that's my motto. I'm sticking to it. There you go. Karen, this has been uh, wonderful getting to know you a little bit better and understand you a little bit better. Yeah. And uh, thank you for agreeing to do this. And you know what? Let's Let's not let this be the last time we do something like this. Okay. I would love to chat with you again, Randy. Thank you so much. I think we make a good team. Okay. I can buy that. (laughs) (laughs) You hesitated. No, no, I just, I just had a mental image. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean a good team in conversation. No, I knew exactly what you were meaning. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Uh, You know, I'm not one of those weird guys that has a podcast. I'm just a guy that's got a podcast. You are awesome. Thank you so much. I really appreciate your time and your questions and all the thought you put into helping uh, authors. It's awesome. All the best to you. All the best to your sister and all the best of success for all of your books and anything you plan to do in the future. Awesome. Thank you. And the feelings are mutual. (laughs) Bye. Goodbye. Bye, Randy. You've been listening to Between the Lines. In future episodes, I will be speaking with authors and writers from across the country about all things writing. If you liked what you heard, click the subscribe button to be notified of any and all new episodes or content. Be sure to visit me at www.therandylacy.ca. Thanks for your time and ears. Tune in, be inspired, and write on.
In business, you rarely hear the expression for life. You make a purchase for a product, for a service, and, and there's, a, there's a time frame there. Well, that's not the case with Awaken 180 weight loss. Allow me to explain. You know, a year ago, I started with Awaken 180 weight loss and had incredible success losing weight. But you can lose all the weight in the world and not keep it off. And what good is it? That's why I have support for life from Awaken 180. Yeah. I mean, I go back for check-ins and make sure everything's going smoothly. But if I ever had a problem, the counselors are there to get me back on track. Why don't you do what I did and call for a consultation? 844-346-1800. 844-346-1800. Or go to awaken180weightloss.com.